Welcome to the Anglerfish Podcast. I'm Brett Johnson. For those who may not know me, the United States Secret Service called me the original internet godfather. Now, how in the hell did I get that title? Well, 39 felonies, a place on the United States most wanted list, an escape from prison, and I built the first organized cybercrime community. It was called Shadow Crew. It was a precursor to today's darknet and darknet markets. It laid the foundation for the way modern cybercrime channels still operate today. Of course, I went to prison. Absolutely no surprise there. I guess the surprise would be I was able to turn my life around. That's right. I had enough people who actually cared about me, who gave me the opportunity and the chance, who took me in under their wing, that I was able to turn my life around. Today, well, today I work hard to protect others from the type of person that I used to be. Welcome to the Anglerfish Podcast. I guess this is the quote unquote political episode. Why? Because I'm on tonight's daily show with Trevor Noah. They've got the quote unquote panel of liars, which I'm part of. I'm the only American that's talking about it. That's I'm the only American that's featured on it. I'm guessing they couldn't get another American to come on and give their view of the two political candidates, Biden and Trump. But let's be honest. It's all about Trump. So what are my thoughts? Well, if you've watched the show tonight, you know exactly what my thoughts are. Here's my thoughts again for those who may have missed the show. Donald Trump has done nothing his entire life except victimize people, manipulate, and use people to his advantage. That's it. That's the only thing the man's done. And the thing is, he's never, he has never faced any consequences whatsoever for his actions. And it looks like, let's be honest, it looks like he's not going to face any consequences. At the most, at the most, the guy loses the election in a landslide. And then what happens? Then he gets his own TV show, makes several million dollars, and he's good to go at that point. The man will never face any consequences. So you want to know who I'm voting for? Well, I'm not voting for anyone because I'm a damn felon. But if I were voting, it wouldn't be for Donald Trump, simply because the man has never shown any remorse whatsoever. He's He's never accepted responsibility whatsoever for any single thing that he has done. His entire life has been about blaming others for any shortcomings that he has had. So no, I do not support Donald Trump in any shape, form, or fashion. Joe Biden, the best thing about Joe Biden is his last name doesn't end in Trump. Is Joe Biden corrupt? Yes, yes, he's corrupt. How do I know that? Because he's a politician in Washington. Anyone out there that actually thinks that anyone in a government position in Washington cares about them, let me clue you in right now. You, my dear friend, are sorely misguided. The only people those Washington politicians care about are themselves. Look no further. Look no further than the stimulus package that keeps being bounced around back and forth between the Republicans and the Democrats. Nancy Pelosi, she's over there. Oh, they just they're not on the same page as us. They just don't care where they don't have the same values. Mitch McConnell, the Sith Lord himself. We will not pass a stimulus package before the election. You know what? I want to tell you something, Nancy. You guys do share the same values. Those values being you only care about yourself. You don't give a damn about the American people. That's the truth of the matter. 
Do I support Donald Trump? Hell no, I don't support Donald Trump. But I'm going to tell you something else. I don't support you or any of the Democrats either, because as far as I can tell, as far as I can tell, you guys don't benefit one damn one of us. Pat Robertson, I guess his ass was on TV or some shit uh, yesterday, yesterday. And what does he say? He says, God has told me that Donald Trump will win the election. And when he wins the election, an asteroid will hit the earth. I saw that. And I said to myself, you know, God told me, Pat, that you're a fucking idiot. It's what God told me. But then I thought about it. and I was like, you know, honestly, that wouldn't be a bad end. It wouldn't be a bad end because I don't know what we have done as a nation to deserve the year 2020. But by God, we have done something horrible and we are paying the price. The chickens are coming home to roost. Got riots in the street. Got racism rampant, systemic racism. You got half the half half the politicians. Are, oh, no, no, no. There's no systemic racism. The other half are saying the Democrats are saying, you know, it never existed until Donald Trump came into town. I got news for you. Unarmed black men were being shot and have been being shot for decades, for decades, long before Trump. Is Trump a problem? Yeah, you're damn right. Trump's a problem. But by God, that problem has been going on for a long time. Sorry, I just had to get that out. Now, for those new listeners out there, and I'm guessing I'm probably going to get some new listeners after the Daily Show appearance that I've done. For those new listeners out there, usually my shows, usually my shows, I'm talking about cybercrime and identity theft and cybersecurity and all that good stuff. And I believe you me, I don't hold anything back when I talk about that. But let's be honest. Right now, this year, there's a hell of a lot more important things going on than stolen credit cards. Let's just be honest. My last episode of the Anglerfish podcast, I spoke on how the election could be defrauded because NPR, CNN, and all these other groups were saying, oh, there's no mail-in ballots are completely secure. They're completely secure. There's no way. There's absolutely no way they could be defrauded. And then I'm sitting there going, what the hell are you idiots even talking about? You see, the problem is, the problem is, is everything is politicized these days. You can't even wear a mask without making a political statement. You can't wear a damn mask without making a political statement. I came up with a question last night. I was wondering if somewhere, because I'm sure that somewhere the data is available, who has contracted COVID-19 more, Democrats or Republicans? Because depending on the answer, you could have a lot of fun with it. If it's the Democrats that have got it more, the QAnon people could follow up and say, see, I told you they were satanic pedophiles. And that's dear Lord, baby Jesus, getting even with them. If it's the Republicans, then all the Democrats could sit back and kind of chuckle and go, we told you you guys were fucking idiots. I just, everything's politicized, everything. And don't get me started on QAnon, otherwise known as the John Edward of conspiracy theories. You guys remember John Edward, don't you? Why, sure you do. He was this New York fuck that pretended that he could talk to dead people. So all these people that had lost loved ones and they were really wanting to, you know, to have some sense of closure, they would show up in a studio, they'd fill out a little card and then John Edward would come out and he would convince these people that he was speaking to their loved one. He'd come out and say, oh, I'm thinking, I'm seeing, I'm seeing a, an F, an F, an F. Is Does anyone have a loved one or a lost one that their name begins with an F? And then he'd kind of squint his eye open and look around, see if anyone was responding. If no one did, he's like, maybe it's a town, a town or a, a country or a dog or G, G, L, M. And he would keep doing this shit until he would hear some gasp in the audience like, <gasps> and then he'd zero in on his victim at that point. 
convince them. Oh, you know, you, you lost someone. Who was it? Oh, it was your son. Yes, it was your son. And, you know, I'm, your son is saying, and how would every show end? Every show, every encounter would say, you know, everything's all right. He wants you to move on. He wants you to move on. John Edward, scum of scum, pure piece of shit. That's basically what QAnon does. QAnon, let's be honest, this damn group, QAnon, pops up on 8chan, 4chan, 8con, whatever you want to call it, basically the cesspool of the internet. 2017, first few posts says Hillary Clinton's going to be arrested at blah, blah, blah time. Dipshit got it completely wrong back then. Completely wrong. I guess somewhere along the line, this idiot that kept putting out this stuff realized he was getting it completely wrong. So what does he do now? He puts out these things called breadcrumbs. Basically nonsense, meaningless words or pictures. And then the QAnon followers pick up the breadcrumbs and they run with it. This is the group, make no mistake, this is the group that said that Wayfair was packing live children into bookshelves and sending their asses out. This is that group. This is the Pizzagate group. QAnon. Give me a break. What do they believe? I'll be honest with you. I had no idea. I had no idea. I went and talked to people. I talked to this praying medic idiot. I talked to a few other people as well. Turns out that a lot of the QAnon followers are highly educated. Here's a secret, though. When it comes to conspiracy theories, we have this perception that those who follow conspiracy theories are basically idiots. They're rednecks. They're backwoods hill dwellers, kind of like the people from the hills have eyes. That could not be further from the truth. It turns out that most of the adherents of conspiracy theories, whether it be Sandy Hook or jet fuel doesn't melt steel beams or the QAnon Democrats are satanic cannibalistic pedophiles. It turns out that most of the adherents of conspiracy theories are highly educated people. They have good jobs. They're not backwood hill dwellers like the hills have eyes. They're not like that. They're not like they're an extra from wrong turn or the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. They tend to be well-educated. Now, why? Why do people follow conspiracy theories? I was very fortunate in the second season of the Anglerfish podcast that I brought in a philosopher, Kirk Konzelberger. And I asked Kirk this exact same question. We were, we were delving into what is truth? Because I have this thing that I keep saying that the perception of truth is much more important than the truth itself. So we talked about that. And what came up during this conversation was some of these conspiracy theories. And I asked Kirk, I was like, why? Why do people even believe this stuff? And Kirk's response was, is that what happens is, is we as human beings seek to find meaning for things. We want to understand. We want to rationalize things. So what a conspiracy theory does is it makes sense of something that is senseless. It allows that person to process it, to come to terms with it, and then move on. Yes, I, I agree with anybody out there that might be saying, what the hell are you talking about, Brett? Some of these guys are saying that Sandy Hook, all those 20-some kids that were killed, was a false flag operation. They were crisis actors. Yes, I get it. Yes, I, I hate that stuff, too. Yes, I think they're fucking idiots. But... For people in that in a specific type of mindset, that begins to make sense. Think of it like this, that they see something so horrific as that, they cannot make sense of it, they, their mind cannot process it, and then someone comes up with the excuse of, you know, it never happened. It's a government operation, so they can take weapons away. So instead of facing the truth of that horror of, hey, sometimes human beings are just evil motherfuckers, 
instead of facing the truth of that, they can't face it. So they accept some other alternate answer, regardless of how bizarre it may sound to someone else at that point in time. That is why people sign on to conspiracy theories. That is why people sign on to QAnon, because let's be honest, there were so many people that hated Hillary Clinton in 2016 that they elected probably the worst human being in America. They hated Hillary Clinton that much. No, Hillary, no one lost you the election but you. I don't like you to this day. No one liked you back then. They like they disliked you so much, so much. They elected a reality TV star instead of you. As they knew, let's all be honest. Let's all be honest. We knew that Donald Trump was a nightmare. We all knew that. We all knew that Donald Trump, the way it may end, is like some sort of second-rate Mad Max film. And that's exactly what we've got now. We're right on the precipice of it. November 3rd and hell, November 4th, we may be Mad Max City. Who knows? But we, we despised Hillary Clinton so much that we would rather take our chance with Donald Trump than elect her. Think about that for a second. We'd rather take our chance with that. And now we are paying the piper. I just, I don't understand. I mean, I do understand, but we as a nation, we as a nation have gotten to the point where the facts no longer matter. We've gotten to the point where there are riots in the streets. We've gotten to the point where there's a fight between whether an African-American person's life matters or not. And then there's an alternate fight saying, well, every single life matters. There's something wrong with that. There's something horribly wrong with that. Now, I don't think Donald Trump caused it. I really don't. I think that we as a nation caused it. You know, we've got the woke movement going on. We've got people being canceled all over the place. I think that this is what's going on with our country. And there's a lot wrong. I mean, racism is certainly systemic in the United States. That does not mean that all law enforcement officers are racist. That does not mean that police are racist. You have some that are. I'm going to clue you on something else. It doesn't mean that every single American, that every white person in the United States is racist. Sorry, no, doesn't work that way. You know, I fell into that trap when, when these riots first started popping off because 2020, let's be honest, 2020 has been kind of fucked up. But I fell in that trap, too, when these riots started popping off. This Ibrahim Kendi, he comes out and he's, you know, he comes out with this, either you're racist or anti-racist. And I was like, man, that makes so much sense to me. But no, it makes sense as a knee-jerk reaction but not everything and not everyone in the United States is racist. Not every action is racist. I'm sorry, it's not. And not every action is not as anti-racist or person anti-racist. No, you can have people that and actions that are simply not racist. No, if I go to get a drink of water, I'm not racist. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. No, people may, out there may disagree with that, but that's the way I feel about it. All right. So, we're, we're, we're talking about QAnon for a second. So, yeah, the John Edwards. So this Q guy, he posts these meaningless things. And, of course, these people follow these, quote, unquote, breadcrumbs to their natural, illogical conclusions. And then everyone buys into it. The problem with that, I'm going to tell you the problem with that. So, again, it starts on 8chan, 8kun, 4chan. All right. More than likely, 
the Q person himself is this guy named Jim Watkins, who runs 8chan. More than likely, that's who it is. And he spouts out a bunch of bullshit that is completely meaningless, that has no merit, no fact whatsoever. The problem, though, the problem is that now you've got several million QAnon followers. So while Jim Watkins, if it is Jim Watkins, so while Q goes about putting out meaningless bullshit that is completely baseless in fact, you get so many followers that what's the possibility that you get someone from the Trump administration or from Russian intelligence or from Chinese intelligence or from North Korea intelligence that maybe starts shooting things over to this Q individual. Hey, post this. Hey, post this. Hey, post this. I would argue that it's extremely likely at that point that you could get some intel coming in. That does not mean, of course, what's going on is you see this, man. You see this shit. This Q guy is, is they believe, they believe he puts forth the proposition that dear Lord baby Jesus has chosen Donald J. Worthless Fuck Trump as the savior of mankind, that Donald J. Trump is going to save everyone from a satanic, democratic, pedophilic cabal. So if you want to know, and I said this at the beginning, who, do, who does Brett Johnson support? Not Donald Trump. Do I think that Joe Biden and Hunter Biden are, are in cahoots and definitely worked against the United States people in Ukraine? Absolutely, I believe that. Absolutely. I don't, if you sit there and think about it, I think that most rational people would sit there and say, yep, Joe Biden and company corrupt as hell. That being said, does it even matter when the opposition is Donald Trump? I would argue, no, I don't give a shit who is running against Donald Trump this year. I support that person. That's just my thought. Let's talk about victims for a second, because at the end of the day, I was asked on Comedy Central. I don't know if it's going to air tonight or not. I mean, the segment's going to air, but I'm not sure this question is going to air. But I was asked on Comedy Central, you know, Donald Trump at one point says that, you know, he indicates that his penis is very large and it's more than adequate. And I was asked what I thought about his penis size. And I, you know, I gave a little small hand gesture. You want to know the truth of the matter? The truth of the matter is, is I think that probably Donald Trump has the largest cock on the planet. Why? Because he managed to fuck every single one of us. We didn't like it, but he damn sure fucked us with it. So in a sense, we are all victims. We are victims of this scam. Here's the secret of this thing, though. If you look at scams, I don't really care if it's a romance scam or a credit card scam or a presidential scam. Scams tend to work the exact same way. So we're going to break that down as basically the topic of today's show. How do scams work? How does it work? to scam someone if you're doing romance scams or credit card scams or what have you. So what you see when you're when you're committing a scam and I used to be this scammer. So I know what I, I know what the fuck I'm talking about. So I used to be this scammer. OK, so when you start scamming someone, let's use, for example, say a romance scam. The way a romance scam works is it starts out with the scammer and the potential victim. You are on opposite sides of the spectrum. It is basically you against them, the scammer against the victim. All right. The idea is to get the victim over on the scammer's side. You want to be working toward a common cause, that common cause being basically paying the scammer. Now, how do you do that? You do that by establishing trust. You see, everything is based on trust. 
If you cannot establish trust, the scam fails completely. So how do you establish trust in today's world? In today's world, you establish it by using technology, tools, and then social engineering. So let's walk through that for a second using a romance scam as basically the template. Look at your cell phone, look at your laptop that you're on or your desktop. We tend to trust, or even your television, we tend to trust the technology which is given to us. We don't understand how it works, but for some reason, we tend to trust that technology. If a news story appears on that or a message comes across or a phone number comes across on our cell phone, it shows up as the Social Security Administration on caller ID or what have you, we trust that this device, this cell phone, this laptop, the television that's broadcasting the news to us, we trust that it is truthful. That's what we do. All right. So it, but it lays a base level of trust. It, it's not complete trust for a scam to work. You have to take that and you have to continue to layer trust upon it. So the way criminals do that, scammers like I used to be, we use a series of tools. So those tools can be stolen identity information. They can be spoofed phone calls. For example, I can I can pick up the phone. I, I can spoof a phone number so that when I call out, you don't see the number I'm calling from. Instead, what shows up on your, on your caller ID is the U.S. Postal Administration, the Social Security Office, the IRS, any number I want to. I can also use tools to spoof my location. So I can take a I can take a proxy address, put it into my laptop or my cell phone, and I can make it appear instead of being in Alabama, I can make it appear that I'm in France or New York or California or South America or any place in the on the planet that I want it to make a that I want to appear that I am from. So I can use tools to help layer trust. Again, with the idea being that I'm going to get someone to trust me enough to give me what I want them to give me. Finally, once you ha have the tools and the technology, you start coming up with social engineering. How good of a con man are you in order to talk someone into giving you what you want? Now, with a romance scam, what happens? So someone signs on to a dating site. They're using the internet technology. They're using the website itself, more tech. Whatever device they're using, the cell phone or the laptop, that's even more technology. So all that technology together, what happens? We Someone goes to a dating site like Match.com or something like that. They tend to think, you know, the other people that are here, the company has vetted these people. I can trust the, the other daters that are on here looking for relationships. That could not be further from the truth because you've got a lot of scammers on there that are using stolen identities, that are faking their phone numbers, that are faking their locations, any number of tools that they're using in order to bypass the security of the website. But we as individuals coming onto a website, we tend to trust that that website is looking after us, is trying to take care of us. And for the most part, they do. But scammers are very good about getting through. So someone signs on to a dating site. They trust the technology, the website, the cell phone, the internet itself. The tools that are being used to help establish that trust, to help layer that trust, come in on the scammer side. So what kind of tools? Perhaps the scammer has stolen someone's identity. So he's acting like he's someone else. That lays a base level of trust. He's got the person's pictures, what have you. Perhaps he's using a spoofed phone number, spoofed location as well, in order to try to convince the potential victim that he is that person. At the end of the day, though, the tech and the tools, they only establish base levels of trust. 
What I mean by that, if you go on and sign on to a dating site and you meet somebody who, and you know, you think they're great, they look good, their relationship seems to be good, you know, they look like they're a good match for you. If you were to reach out to that person, that person immediately responds with, you know, hey, uh, my my son is uh, my son is sick. I need uh, forty five thousand dollars to uh, to have a uh, to have surgery for son. Uh, you give me money, I love you a long time. You can trust me. You can trust me completely, completely. Is a we have trust. I marry you. I marry you. I love you. I love you so much. If that were the start of the conversation, would you trust that individual? Would you give the individual money? No, you would not. You would not. So social engineering at that point has to kick in. So how do you social engineer someone on a dating site? You act like every other person that's dating, but you act like it dialed up to 11, right? So you're responding to this person the scammer is responding to this person basically with a routine of building rapport, of getting them to trust, of, you know, hey, having a conversation. You reach out, you know, I saw, I saw your profile. It looked really good. I thought uh, we could talk, you know, learn more about each other. And so you don't start out hot and heavy. You just kind of throw your line out there and you're seeing if you get a nibble. All right. And you want that nibble. You don't care what the person looks like, what they what their attitudes are, what their likes or dislikes or anything. That's a potential victim. That's what you're wanting. So you cast the line out there, and you start a, start a conversation. And as time goes on, you build the conversation. You keep building and building and building until what happens? Until at some point that relationship starts to move over into romantic territory. And the scammer is saying stuff like, you know, I, I never thought, I never thought that I would feel this way toward anyone. I, I just thought that I never thought I'd be able to find anyone again, um, especially online. You know, I don't, uh, are you feeling this too? Do you feel the same way? So that's what that's the way the scam starts, right? That's what that's the way the scam transitions over to that. And then finally, at, you're supposed to meet, right? So what happens on the meet? At some so if the victim is asking the scammer to meet, the scammer doesn't want to meet because he's going to be in Ghana or Egypt or Nigeria or someplace like that. So what happens? You know, I would really, God, I'd really like to meet you. I really would. I just, uh, right now, my son, he's in the hospital. I'm saving up money for that. He has to have this treatment. As soon as I take care of that, I will come and visit. I promise I want to be with you. I really feel connected to you. I never thought that I would, but I really feel connected to you. And I want to follow this, this relationship that we're building. The idea being that the scammer wants the victim to volunteer money. That's the idea. See, you start out as an oppositional role. You've got the scammer on one side. You've got the potential victim on, on the other. If the scammer were to ask immediately for money, the victim's going to say no. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Even if the, you know you use the tech and the tools to layer trust, but if you come out asking for money immediately, no. So you have to get that victim on your side. And the way you do that is through social engineering of convincing the person that you're on the same page with them. You're on the same side. You're working toward the same goal. That goal being being in a relationship together, being one with each other. But there's a problem. My son is in bad shape. He has to have surgery. So I want you to try to volunteer money. Now, here's the secret to this. What happens if the potential victim volunteers money? Should the scammer at that point accept it? I would argue no. I would argue that the scammer should say, oh, absolutely not. I cannot take money from you. There's no way that I would do that. That's that's just completely, I don't know you that well. I appreciate it, but absolutely not. I can get this. So what happens if the scammer denies the initial offer for money? Mentally, that sends a, a message to the victim. 
Because most of the time, here's the secret of these scams. Most of the time, victims at some point start to question whether it's a scam or not. And when you ask for money or when you volunteer money, that solidifies in the victim's mind that it is. The victim may still get the money, but they, they keep thinking even more. Yeah, I think I'm being scammed. I'm thinking being scammed. But if they offer money and the scammer turns them down, no, I will not take that. What does that mentally tell the victim? That tells the victim, hey, they, it must not be a scam. They would have taken the money. What the victim doesn't understand is that this is a long con. He's not looking for one or two payments. He's looking for everything you've got. By him denying that initial offer, he solidifies trust with the victim. The next offer, so he keeps going, keeps saying this, hey, you know, I, I'm, I'm almost there, I'm almost there, knowing that the victim will volunteer money again. The second offer, bingo, gotcha, yeah, I'll take the money. So he takes the money, comes back and says, oh, you know, you are a lifesaver. I don't know how I'll pay you back. I really appreciate that. The doctor says the procedure was a huge success. He only needs about eight more of these treatments. So he's laying the groundwork for more, more money to be sent in. I love you. I love you. I love you. We're going to be together. We just have to get over this problem, this hump. That's how scams work. Now, another one of these issues is we as individuals, as society, we tend to call victims stupid. We blame the victims for being victimized. What happens? We click on a link and what's the response? I can't believe you'd be stupid enough to click on that link. I can't believe you'd be stupid enough to send money to someone that you don't even know. You've never met this person. How could you be that dumb? That's the mindset of the family, of society, of media. The news channels do the exact same thing. They say the exact same thing. They parrot that line. However, that is not true. Being a victim of a scam has nothing to do with being stupid, dumb, ignorant, uneducated, what have you. It's got nothing to do with that. You're dealing with a professional. You're dealing with someone whose entire career is using technology and human psychology to manipulate you into giving up one of four things, information, access, data, or cash. He is a professional. This is what he does for a living. And he's done it to hundreds of people before. He's doing it to probably dozens right now as he's talking to you. It is never, it is never the victim's fault that they are a victim of crime. Never. And we have to understand that because here's the problem with that. When we adopt that mindset, when we start saying, mom, I can't believe you were that stupid to click on that. That sends a message to the victim, to the family member that, hey, I'm going to be judged for this. I'm going to be labeled as stupid. So what happens? They start to shut people off. They start to not talk about the problem that's happening. Even as they may suspect it's a scam, all of a sudden they feel alienated. They stop talking to their support group, their friends or associates or family members. They stop telling them the issues that are going on. They hide it. And then who do they have to talk to? The scammer. So the effect is, is that the scammer has alienated the victim from the support group that the victim has historically had. The victim all of a sudden has no one else to communicate with or rely on except the scammer until finally they lose everything. And why do they lose everything? Because even though they may think it's a scam, they don't want to accept the truth. They, they keep saying just a little while longer, I'm already this invested in it. I'm already this invested. Just let me see it through. If I see it through, hopefully everything will work out, out all right. Now, that's a romance scam. Let's apply that to politics. Let's apply that to Donald Trump. 
So Donald Trump, of course, he assumes the role of the victim. No, no, he's never the victim, right? He's always the victimizer. He's always the manipulator. He's always the fuck in the crowd. Donald Trump is the scammer in this scenario. You, the voter, yeah, the voter's a victim. So Donald Trump, what does he do? He uses the techniques of any classic scam. He establishes trust by using technology, tools, and then social engineering. These cell phones that we've got, 87% of every single person on the planet has a smartphone, or at least a cell phone, 87%. We get our news these days from where? From cell phones. Say one thing that Donald Trump did well, he really got us to understand the concept of fake news. And man, oh man, is it everywhere now, right? I don't care if it's CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, it's all, it's all fake news these days. There's always some sort of editorial slant. Turn on CNN and it's doom and gloom. Turn on Fox News and it's Green Acres. It's fake news all over the place, but back then, Fake news was used for what? It was used to help manipulate the election, to help skew people's perceptions because the perception of reality is much more important than reality itself. Donald Trump knew that. Of course, the Russian government knew that too. So there was a lot of work that was going on online to skew the perception of the voting populace to get them to go toward one candidate, Donald Trump. He used the tools, the technology available to help skew that. And then finally, what? Social engineering. Donald Trump is an outstanding social engineer. The man is a marvel on stage. He connects. He knows exactly. Think about this, guys. He's able to look at someone and pick that one specific trait in a person and just characterize the person. Lazy Joe, Sleepy Joe, whatever the hell he's calling these people. He, he picks that one trait out and just pings it. Bam, bam, bam. And he's a street debater. The man spent most of his life speaking in public. It's no, it's no surprise that when he gets on a stage with someone, he dominates that person. This is his life. This is his, this is his nature. He spent his entire life manipulating people, using people, victimizing people. He's a damn good social engineer. So what happens? He gets on stage. He plays that reality TV star that everyone, I mean, like it or not, the man knows how to manipulate media. He knows how to manipulate people. And that's exactly what he did. So tools, technology, and, and then finally social engineering come together to win Donald Trump the election. And we cannot, we cannot overstate how many, how much people really disliked Hillary Rodham Clinton. Oh my God. Did they ever? Do they ever now? No one wants to see Hillary Clinton ever again. But I got to tell you, looking back now, you know, 2020, looking back to 2016, I'm thinking that maybe we should have swallowed our pride and voted Democrat that year because, boy, are we fucked right now. So Trump basically scams everyone into voting for him and to think into getting people to think that he is going to what? Make America great again. Like he's somehow able to do that. Right now, everything is falling apart. It's falling apart, guys, because the scam is coming to fruition now, and he can no longer continue to keep it going. Much like every scam, it falls apart at some point. Now, here's the, here's the takeaway on this, and this is very important because at the end of the day, I'm really adamant about this. You cannot blame the victim for being victimized. 
the people who voted for Donald Trump, even the people today who support Donald Trump are victims. They are victims. They're right in the middle of it. They're right in the middle of it. And it's important that when this thing is over, when this scam finally comes to, to its head and everyone realizes that, hey, man, that Donald Trump, pure fuck. When it finally comes to a head and people come to that understanding, that realization, when everyone comes to that undeniable realization, it's very important that we do not look back at those people who supported Donald Trump and judge them and say, hey, you know, you guys are fucking idiots. You know, I don't want anything to do with you. You know, we've got Kamala Harris. I think at one point she said that, you know, going to make everything right, going to go get the people who supported him, everything else. No, that's not the way to do this. It's not. Because at the end of the day, the people who supported Donald Trump, they were just trying to look for answers, trying to make sense of things. And they were victimized. They were victimized. Anyone could have fallen for that. And I would argue that the Democrats are no better. I mean, they're better in that they're not Trump. But still, the people who are so adherent to the Democratic ideology, they're swallowing that shit hook, line, and sinker, too. No one cares. No one in government cares about the American people. The only thing we can hope this year is we get Donald, Donald Trump out of office. Now, that being said, guys, I got to tell you, I got to tell you, me, I'm scared to death that come November 4th or the night of November 3rd, we're going to have all kinds of violence starting. No, no matter who wins. Because now we've got Trump, he's convinced if he, he's convinced his followers that if he doesn't win the election, that it's a fraudulent election that has been stolen. We've got the Democrats who have convinced all kinds of people that this racism didn't even exist until Donald Trump popped up. There were no, I mean, to hear them tell it, there were no unarmed black men shot at all before Donald Trump took office in 2016. So they've, they've hung that whole systemic racism tag and the fault on Trump. When it's systemic, it's been around for a while, for a while. Trump's not going to fix it. Joe Biden's not going to fix it. That's just my thought on it. Just my thought. So needless to say, this is not my normal anglerfish podcast where I do a lot of bitching about cybersecurity, cybercrime, and identity theft. But you know what? Like I said, there are more important things going on right now than someone stealing credit cards. Now, that's not meaning that in the future episodes, I'm not going to talk about that. But I got to be honest with you guys. I got to be honest. Right now. I'm thinking we need to talk about these other issues that are going on right now. So right now I'm thinking, hey, you know what? At the very least, Brett comes in and bitches about some of the stuff that's going on because I cannot be, I cannot be the only person out there that's thinking this stuff. I can't be surely to God. There are some like-minded people out there that are sitting there saying, you know, Trump's bad. Biden's bad. Eh, we're both, we're screwed either way, but let's make the decision of the lesser of two evils. I'm Brett Johnson. Thank you for tuning in to the Anglerfish Podcast. Until next week, stay safe, stay secure, stay vigilant, and by God, do the right thing. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom, and a Movement watch is even more than that. 
Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.